This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top tier lineup. With Leap Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, you are listening to the Blue Monday podcast. This is a three-times weekly audio show looking into the exciting happenings of Ipswich Town Football Club. My name is Benjamin Bloom and I'll be here each and every Friday for the Blue Monday preview show with a special guest to get there inside of you on the next opponents for Ipswich Town. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, it's very late on a Thursday, so a massive thanks. On the other end of the line, he is the host of the EPL Index Championship podcast and a writer for the Deepdale Digest. Mr. James Vickers. James, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm in a very, very drafty room. I I put a, you know, one of those little fan heaters. Um, I put it next to me and yes. uh, my, no, my podcast partner will be pissing himself laughing because I'm always having a go at him for like extra noise and stuff. And <laughs> I, I thought, can I get away with the buzz? Um no, I can't. My, I'll just warm up later, so I'm I'm a little bit cold. But um, James, um, can you fill us in? So the first bit, how did it start for you with um, Preston? And then can you just speak a bit about how you transitioned into the podcasting and the writing and stuff about it? When did you when did you start as a fan, and when did you kind of get interested in doing a bit more? Yeah, so it's quite weird for me. It's quite a late introduction, really. I uh, come from a family of Man United fans, so I get asked that question all the time: Why Preston? You know, why not United? Living in Manchester as well, it's it would have been an easy choice to sort of stick with United. But sort of the story that I can remember and been told by my parents when we were on holiday back in two thousand and five, I believe it was, uh, I saw Preston on TV in a French bar and whatever reason that was just sort of fell in love with them and uh I've followed them since really so sort of meeting quite a lot of my mates and that through uh going to games it's worked out quite well um obviously we haven't been as successful as i'd like but you know it's uh it's more of a roller coaster i suppose than supporting the likes of man united so it's a lot more enjoyable uh Sort of as as far as the podcast goes, it sort of happened by chance. Really, Jake, who used to host it last year, um, 
who I still chat to a bit, sort of in relation to it, gave me a message one day just out of the blue on Twitter. Um, and, you know, you know, before that, I'd never really sort of, it wasn't anything I'd thought about doing or, or getting involved with. And sort of looking back now, sort of quite that he did because I love doing it, you know, appearing on other podcasts like this. I've been on uh, Russ Goldman's podcast, who is a Fulham fan. Um, and it's sort of really good getting, you know, perspective from other teams, sort of necessarily teams that I wouldn't have, you know, really known a lot about. And it's, um, yeah, it's dead fascinating to do. And the writing sort of, came around about the similar time uh, I was living down in Wickham with my now ex-girlfriend uh, and it sort of moving down there I didn't know many people down there so it was sort of something to pass the time really that just started as mainly because uh, I followed quite a lot of Bundesliga sort of doing work sort of on Bundesliga games and that kind of thing and then that sort of transitioned into Preston and you know one of my mates Ollie who runs Detail Digest sort of got in contact and it sort of escalated from there really Amazing. So can you just give a quick plug? Um, I mean, I've plugged the podcast numerous times on here because I've been on it as well. So um, the it's the EPL Index Championship podcast, and that is on Acast and iTunes and normal places. Um, but particularly this weekend, um, if people want to read the Preston View on Ipswich, um, I'm sure there's previews and write-ups and stuff. So whereabouts is the actual written word? So, yeah, the written word will be on at Deepdale Digest. Uh, that's the Twitter page. It's in the uh, bio on my Twitter account as well, if you want to sort of click the link and find it. Um, and then, yeah, as, as you mentioned, the, the podcast goes every sort of Monday, Tuesday, depending on when we, we get around to recording it. Uh, that we've just set up a Twitter account for, actually, which is Championship Pod. Comes out on the EPL index every week, as I said. Yeah, Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday when we get around to recording it. But uh, definitely check that out because it's it's sort of a lot of fun to do and it gives you insight into, as I mentioned before, things you necessarily wouldn't really hear about. So yeah, definitely check it out. Great stuff. Um, right, the first thing we are gonna do is just have a quick look back at the two games between Preston and Ipswich last season. So we're going right back to the start of the season and August the 27th 2016 um, Ipswich won this one 1-0 Grant Ward who was on his magnificent start obviously scored a hat-trick in his first game and then he put that one in at the end of August so he had four goals pretty much from his first I don't know three or four games following in from the corner Um, from an Ipswich point of view the game was totally overshadowed um, because that was the day that Daryl Murphy disappeared in fact james i'm getting a i'm getting a memory were we on the we might have been on the championship podcast possibly after that game it might have been the other the the away game um do you remember yeah it does ring a bell yeah um i think it might have been the second one so anyway murphy is not around he's off negotiating with newcastle um so from a preston point of view this was part of a very poor start last season that saw a record of two wins and six defeats from the first eight games. Um, have you got any memories of this game and more over that period at the start of last season? Yeah, sort of the game in particular I actually went to. I was living sort of down south at the time, so it was a relatively easy to get to. And sort of looking back now, I wish I'd sort of saved the money. And, and, but... Um, 
sort of looking through the, the team sheet of it earlier, it's sort of fascinating. There's only uh, two players from that starting eleven who actually have been in our squad this season. So it just really shows sort of the the sort of changes in sort of playing personnel over the last year. And yeah, as you mentioned, the start of last season was was quite a bad one, especially in comparison to this season, although we've, you know, tailed off in recent weeks. But I do think we're going to come good. Um, but yeah, traditionally, really, we've always been sort of slow starters and it's it's really taken us by surprise this season, especially with the sort of the tough running of fixtures, actually just how well we had started this season. And obviously injuries are starting to catch up with us now, which, you know, is sort of not trying to make excuses, but when you've got eight first team defenders out, um, sort of over the course of the second half against Aston Villa, it's always going to be an uphill struggle. Sure. So um, it kind of evens out between August and January. The next one's January the 28th at the start of this year. So Ipswich are in the midst of an absolutely horrible run um, that would see it's one win in 14. Horrible. Um, Tom Lawrence scores the opening goal. And of all his ridiculous goals last season, this is probably my absolute favourite because he's Excuse me. He's right out on the touchline, and if you were to freeze frame when he starts with the ball, every football fan would say there is no way he can score from there. And he goes goes between the two. You know where you get two defenders, and sometimes it's easier to take on two defenders than it is one because they both leave it to each other and you just go in between the two of them. And then he curls it in the in the top corner, and then the obvious Ipswich Town narrative: um, Jordan Hugel linked for the. Whole transfer window. I don't know how <laughs> speculatively. Um, and if I remember, it's quite a nice little finish. I, I remember him having no time at all and, you know, kind of nice side foot volley in. Um, got any memories of, of that one and that period, particularly the constant transfer saga? And I remember Grayson and McCarthy both commenting on the player after the game. Yeah, that uh, that game in particular, I think it was was it about the 89th or 90th minute, I think, that Hugill did score. Mm. Um, apart from the Lawrence goal, I thought sort of, a, sort of a draw would have been the fair result from the game. But I'd, um, to make my train, I'd had to leave five minutes before the end of that game. So I actually found out that we'd drawn as I got back to the train station, which, you know, you come all the way up from Manchester and uh, sort of miss the only Preston goal, uh, which comes right at the, the end. So a bit gutting sort of on a personal note. But yeah, it was... Uh, it's quite um sort of in game real. I do think a point was was a fair result, and you know since then I'm delighted we've kept hold of Jordan Newgill, especially in the summer as well. Uh, there were sort of links, as you mentioned, with yourselves, Birmingham, big one with Birmingham, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. So there's you know there's been sort of links flying all over the place. He'd handed in a transfer request, but we refused sort of that and kept hold of him and he's been sort of vital for us again this season really so definitely glad to have kept hold of him and sort of January last year was really where he started to to show what he's all about he was keeping great for him and you know he's he's really kicked on this season yeah I remember speaking to um, Tom the Birmingham fan we do these with and they were talking about the link and I remember us being linked for two million in January and then it was like six million in summer. So I think if you don't if you don't blink with the way these um championship transfers are going, you know, 
a, a decent championship player is now worth between five and ten million a lot of the time. So it is worth kind of holding out like they've done with Hugel. Um, so Preston finish in the top half last season, five places above Ipswich. They're in eleventh position, and then you get this big. Um, summer of kind of manoeuvring so can you give me your thoughts on we've got three names Simon Grayson Aidan McGeady and then Alex Neal who we're obviously very familiar with because he was Norwich manager as well so deal with Grayson first and then a bit on McGeady and then your thoughts on Alex Neal when he came in Yeah, so Grayson first and foremost um, sort of after getting out there did a fantastic job for us um, you know completely fantastic the time he was here and it was quite a shame, really, to see him sort of leave on a quite a sour note. I do think, um, you know, if it had been, obviously Sunderland are a big club, but if it had been, you know, um, sort of taking on a top-end championship job or something like that, I think fans would have been a bit more forgiving. But he seemed to sort of jump at the first chance of more money, not necessarily sort of a better job. So, you know, there's there's that sort of slight resentment there from the fans, but sort of while he was there, uh, couldn't say a bad word about him. He was absolutely fantastic. Got us up from League One when he took over. We were struggling down there, so did a fantastic job to turn it around. Got us back to the Championship where, you know, we sort of really should be and, and should be aiming for sort of top half. So, you know, fantastic first two seasons back in the Championship. Just a shame it ended like it did. Um Aidan McGeady, again, sort of the same. We kind of, and sort of put it down to Grayson with him being great at man, man management, um, sort of really revitalised McGeady's career. So same with him. It was quite a shame. Obviously, he was only on loan from us. And, you know, the season he had last season, there was always going to be sort of bigger wages and, and fees on the table for him than we could offer. So we were sort of resigned to the fact of him going. Um, now that he was going to come back until Grayson went to Sunderland and then straight away, you know, he, he jumped and went to Sunderland, which sort of on one hand, Grayson's done fantastic to revitalise his career. So we obviously trust Grayson. Um, but it did kind of leave again, same with Grayson, a sour taste in our mouth. And um, when he uh, when we played Sunderland earlier in the season at Deepdale and Drew, he scored the goal for Sunderland, one of their two goals. And similar to Adibayor quite a few years ago against Arsenal, ran the length of the pitch to celebrate in front of our sort of main stand, which, you know, <laughs> went down, as you can imagine. Um, yeah, I did. So, yeah, I, them two. I didn't get that, James. I was like, you know, fair enough, run off and celebrate the goal. Because um, we had it on the pod last year. Darren Bent um, scored for Derby against us at Portman Road and he did this most patronising um, oh I'm not celebrating everyone I'm not celebrating honestly this is me not celebrating and you're like look just celebrate the goal it's, it's <laughs> literally your job but it, you know there's there's no need to run to, I think the week before that he smashed one in the top corner at Portman Road as well for suddenly he's a great player McGee isn't he yeah, fantastic play. I was gutted to see him go. Um, but sort of hearing things sort of around the club about him, kind of that celebration really sort of like highlighted it. I think he's, uh, oh, obviously I don't know him, but he, he seemed like he was a bit full of himself. And, you know, that celebration, we've sort of revitalised his career, didn't sort of leave on bad terms really with us. Obviously fans were gutted that he left and went to Sunderland. But yeah, to 
to sort of do that and it's it's kind of a bit of karma now that Grayson's gone from Sunderland and they're uh, they're in the relegation zone where we're sort of upper mid table. Um so you know it's uh a, yeah, quite a, an unusual celebration to do, but you know uh, we've got sort of other things to worry about this season. Um, and then touching on Alex Neal, uh, when he came in, I was a bit sort of hit and miss on him. I sort of obviously got Norwich promoted out of the division, but then seeing sort of how it had ended at Norwich and with them coming back down from the Premier League, I was a bit sort of wary about it. But since he's come in, you know he's been absolutely fantastic. Um, before we've gone on this three-game losing streak, we'd only lost one game all season, uh, which was Dub, sort of second or third yeah. week, yeah, um, which was on uh, scored by a penalty as well. So it wasn't even from open play that we'd sort of conceded sort of a goal to get beat. So you know he's done fantastically well. And if you think if you look at our fixture list, we've played the likes of Middlesbrough away, Derby away, Leeds away, played Wolves away. You know we've had some really tricky fixtures Cardiff at home um, which we won 3-0 um, he's had a really difficult start and when the fixtures came out and Neil took over I was quite worried about obviously it's going to take him a bit of time to get the team adapted to the way he wants to play he's come in and completely changed the philosophy whereas Grayson was a bit more passive he's come in with sort of obviously I'm not comparing the two but kind of like um, a Barcelona or a, a Borussia Dortmund style where it's quick high pressing win the ball back straight away and break on the counter. He's, the players have really bought into that. And I think that is part of why he's been sort of quite successful to start with. And it'll be sort of interesting to see now he's hit his real first sort of hiccup, been our manager, obviously on this three game losing streak, a load of injuries piling up. So it'll be interesting. I think now sort of to see what he's all about and how he can turn it round. But I've, got every faith in him and you know as long as he keeps delivering results like he has done for the majority of this season he's you know he's he's got my full support yeah i i was chatting with um jack reeve who's a really brilliant norwich commentator um two weeks ago and we were we were going back over um because our second game against norwich last year was one of alex neil's last games um before he got the got the boot there and I said to Jack, you know, I I don't rate Alex Neal. He um he scraped promotion um the first time, and then he kind of failed in the Premier League and failed when they got down. And Jack really stood up for him. He said he thought he thinks that um there's a really good manager there, and also he's 35 with absolutely tons of experience. And he thought that he would manage in the Premier League again one day. And um I I was very bullshit on our preview show that I thought he would fail and then obviously I mean we'll go on and talk about your first 10 games but yeah um eating a bit of humble pie on Alex Neal at the moment <laughs> so he's he's looking really good isn't he right let's do these ins and outs James um so over the summer in yep uh Rudd Harrop Fisher uh Mavadidi I think I've said that right Maguire yep. O'Connor <laughs> um out Smith Grimshaw Beckford May Lindegaard and Mackie and not. Um, so, I mean, on the basis, like you say, that you can't really lose a player who... It's like Ipswich saying they lost Tom Lawrence, where we never owned him in the in the first place, like about McGeady. How, how was your, um, how was your uh, take on the recruitment? It looks quite good on paper. 
Yeah, it's um, we've we've managed to ship out. Obviously, Beckford was quite a high earner, same with Lindegard on the wage bill. Um, Mackinock was on loan, but obviously on sort of big wages as well. So we we announced that them three had left the club at the end of last season after the Wolves game on the final day, which you know straight away is a massive chunk off the wage bill, and we've replaced them really with sort of what we've done over the past few years, and that's bringing sort of young, hungry players on not a lot of money. Um, who've got something to prove. So whether it's from Premier League teams like Ben Pearson last season, who's looking to prove himself, or we've brought in obviously Sean Maguire, as you mentioned, from the League of Ireland, who's not a masses of money. And, you know, the signing fee for him was, I think it was about 100,000. So again, not a lot of money. And it's it's been really impressive, really. Sort of all the players that we've brought in for little money have been the most impressive. Whereas when we brought in people like Lindegaard, Obviously, it looks good on paper because they played for Man United and they've got this Premier League experience. But, you know, Chris Maxwell kept him out of the team and there's no point having a sort of a goalkeeper on the bench who he's probably earning sort of three or four times more than, you know, half of your squad. Um, so I think in terms of sort of the outgoings, it was sort of really good business. Um, the incomings, you mentioned people like Josh Harrop coming from United, Sean Maguire has come in. Um, Mavadidi's come from Arsenal on loan so it's these young hungry players and I think over the first sort of couple of months of the season I think the average age sort of on our starting 11 has been about 25 so really young side a, d- a lot diff- of promise in there different type of player than Grayson would have signed or am I bucking up the wrong yeah. no I think I think that's fair I think Grayson as sort of as much as I think he did a good job he was kind of one of these managers that he, I think he'd only take us so far. I think he was, and you saw it over like the last couple of seasons, there'd be games where, and I think the Leeds game away really hit the nail on the head this season for Preston. And we were down to 10 men, but still bossing the game against Leeds with 10 minutes to go. And it's it's a game where Grayson would have brought off probably a striker and, you know, put on a defender. But Alex Neal sees that we're, we're on top and he brings on Josh Harrop for a midfielder. So a forward player for uh, uh, for a midfielder. And he's he's brought in, sort of granted, a couple of them, like Maguire, were Grayson signings, but he's brought in sort of young, hungry, attack-minded players. Uh, they've bought into his philosophy straight away. And, you know, he, he seems to be a more sort of forward-thinking manager who's not afraid to have a go. Um, same in the whole game away earlier in the season. He, he brought on two subs and they scored the equaliser and the winner in the last sort of 10, 15 minutes. So sort of the, the people he's brought in and the way he's got on playing, I do think the recruitment over the summer was a success. Um, I think we're still a little bit light in defence. Um, obviously, it's easy to say that once we've got eight people out injured in defence, but... Two of them have been sort of long-term injuries from the end of last season or the start of this season when the when the transfer window was still open. So definitely, that'd be sort of the only negative really that we could have brought in a couple more defenders just to give ourselves a bit more cover. Yeah, great. Um, right, you've spoken a bit about this already, so let's just drill into this season. And if we split it in two, um, the first ten games basically you were you were brilliant. Um, so. Uh, 10 games, 5 wins, 4 draws, 1 defeat, including wins against Sheffield Wednesday and Cardiff, who I saw on Tuesday, really did a good job on Ipswich. Um, and this is a stat, 4 conceded in the in the first 10. So um, uh, I've got down here, talk to me about standout players and 
the the manager's role in this. Um, you, you spoke about the manager's substitutions. What about the defence particularly? It, you're saying you're missing defenders. Is this defending from the from the front then? Um, yeah, I think um, what he's, as I mentioned earlier, he's brought in that sort of high press um, and sort of the players straight away. People like Ben Pearson have really benefited off it. Sort of Alan Brown as well. Um, who play midfield for us. Granted, Alan Brown ended the, the Aston Villa game as a makeshift centre-back. Um, but yeah, defending from the front has, has been something that we'd sort of, under Grayson, we'd sit back and invite the pressure, whereas under Neil, we're, you know, a lot more, as I mentioned, forward-thinking and, and, and sort of in the opposition's faces straight away as soon as they get the ball back. Um, as far as the defenders go, though, we've... Greg Cunningham was out injured um, at the very start of the season, who's our first choice left back. And out of nowhere, really, um, Neil's brought in um, one of our youth left backs, Josh Earl, who's only at the start of the season was 18 years old. Um, He's come in and he's probably... off he's going to be out for some time but yeah he's he's really sort of nurtured the defence well um, he's brought back Ben Davies who sort of for the last two seasons looked like he wasn't going to have a career with us he's been out on loan sort of to non-league sides and he's brought him in at centre-back and he's been fantastic uh, and Considering sort of the tough run of fixtures we've had at the start of the season, it's been sort of all the more impressive that we've been that tight at the back, especially when our best two defenders have, have been out injured since sort of the first game of this season and towards the end of last season with long-term injuries. And I think that speaks volumes sort of about how, you know, he's, he's been on the training ground, the players buying into his philosophy and the sort of word coming out of the club is that, you know, his his tactics and training sessions and sort of to work with on a day-to-day basis have, have been a lot sort of more fun and positive than sort of it was under the previous management. So I think that's definitely a massive tick in, in favour of Neil. And, you know, we, we need these sort of defenders back soon if we want to get back to where we were at the start of the season. Okay. Um, I'm being a bit unfair saying splitting it into two because if you actually look... The past five games, there's there's two draws to begin with, and the first one's against Sunderland, where the Sunderland manager obviously had way way more information than any other manager. You'll I always remember Ipswich playing against Norwich, and Brian Hamilton got the Norwich manager's job after he'd been our assistant manager, and <laughs> he just knew everything about our team. And then the other draw was against Fulham, who absolutely pummeled us in um in August so we know they can be good but last three games all defeats James yeah yeah the um the Sunderland game was probably the sort of before Aston Villa last night the worst we played all season so sort of on paper a draw was a fair reflection um the Fulham game absolutely gutting to to draw that we were 2-0 up after 25 minutes half an hour um Sean Maguire got a goal and an assist. And then about five minutes after we go 2-0 up, he goes off with a hamstring problem. Um, and from then, really, sort of over the last few weeks, that is sort of, it's quite hard normally to sort of pinpoint an exact moment where it's gone wrong. But ever since that, it's it's been sort of bad luck after bad luck. Um, so he goes off injured in the Fulham game. 
they get a penalty with about 15 minutes to go in the the end of the second half. And then in the 96th minute, just a long ball upfield by uh, their centre-back, Chris Maxwell, who'd been fantastic up till this point in the game and throughout the season, comes to claim just sort of a, a routine, you know, cap. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash blue monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Drops the ball and uh, Sunderland, Fulham's right back, scores literally last kick of the game. I don't even think there was time to kick off afterwards. Um, so since that draw, yeah, it's been... Uh, it's been pretty desperate stuff, really. Um, so there's there's no way to sugarcoat it. You know, the three defeats against Wolves, Brentford and and, and Aston Villa. Um, the Aston Villa one, you can sort of not excuse, but can kind of take a bit of sort of leeway on the players from obviously the injuries now starting to mount up and players playing out of position. Um, the Wolves game, we didn't really turn up sort of first half so we had quite a lot of the ball, but no real sort of cutting edge. Wolves scored just before half time, and you know at Molyneux, it's a tough place to go, sort of on the best of days. And then we come out in the second half, and straight away it goes to three nil after about ten minutes of the second half. So managed to get the two goals back and only lose three two. But obviously a loss is a loss. It, it doesn't matter about the scoreline. The Brentford game at home, again similar to the Wolves game, really we got ourselves back in it and then gave sort of a sloppy goal away. Um, and, and lost that game as well, 3-2. And then, obviously, the Villa game last night, uh, awful first half, probably the worst I've seen us play this season under Alex Neal. Um, we got better in the second half, which was actually strange, considering two defenders went off injured at half-time and Alan Brown, the centre-mid, had to drop into the back four in the second half. Um, and for whatever reason, we looked a lot more solid in the second half with... Uh, I think he's five foot eleven, six foot. So he's not the tallest uh, playing centre back. Um, 
but yeah, it's sort of over the last few weeks, especially, it's been quite poor. Um, I think we get this Ipswich game out of the way, get into the international break and, you know, sort of regroup, hopefully get a few players back and, you know, sort of pick up where we left off before the last international break. Yeah. Um, before we get into you attempting to predict a team with eight defenders out, um, which is going to be fun for you. Um, what I will just say is there's this amazing parallel between what ha- what's happening to you now going into this international break and what happened to us going into the first international break, the September the 5th one. Um, I won't bore you, but I think Smith got injured against Birmingham. Then Webster got injured against uh, 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 Luton. And then Chambers got injured and played on against Millwall. Um, and we ended up playing Brentford um, with no centre-halves. And what happened was uh, uh, people have hammered McCarthy this season, but absolutely brilliant team set-up. He played four full-backs and defended incredibly narrow. And we actually kept a clean sheet. We let Brentford keep the ball and pass in front of us and nick two goals past them. Um, what I was going to say was sometimes when the focus is given to the manager, look, you've got no defenders, let's make a game plan around defending. I think that's the best we've defended all, all season. When we, So what I'm saying in, this, in a weird kind of adverse way, when you end up sticking Brown in central defence, then someone covers him and you have this whole plan and you've you got a lot more emphasis on defending. But anyway, can you try and partic- uh, sorry, pick me a team for tomorrow. And can you do a bit on Barkhausen and a bit on Johnson? Because Johnson's a bit of a favourite on our pod as well. So near as you can to a starting eleven, and a bit on Barkhausen and Johnson. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think sort of to touch on Alan Brown playing at centre-back, um, as you mentioned, yeah, he looked fantastic in the second half against Villa, which was sort of quite unusual because we're all fearing the worst going in 2-0 down at half-time and then a makeshift defence in the second half. Um Sort of the good thing really is uh, Paul Huntington, one of the eight, is back from suspension now. So I think Maxwell sort of picks himself at the moment because Declan Rudd, the reserve keepers, out injured. Uh, so I'd say Maxwell in net. The back four will probably be Fisher, who is our normal right back. Um, Centre back pairing of Boyle, who's only made one appearance this season, which was against Villa, and Huntington will come back in. Um, how, how did Boyle do against Villa? Uh, he did all right, to be honest. Um, his only sort of other appearance this season was in the League Cup game where we got beat by Accrington, um, and he looked completely off the pace in that. So, you know, many fans quite rightly were worried when we sort of knew that he was going to play. But, you know, all credit to him. He's came in, he's took his chance, and sort of the two goals we gave away against Villa were sloppy, but they weren't sort of errors from him or sort of over his side. So I think sort of for the majority of the game, he did quite well. Um, so... You know, he's a centre-back by trade, so I'll feel quite comfortable. I say quite comfortable with, with him and Huntington in their proper positions at the heart of the defence, um, even though we won't have any defenders on the bench. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely them two centre-back, uh, sort of barring any sort of injuries in training, which, you know, at the moment I wouldn't sort of put it past us. Um, Left-back, I'd say O'Connor will probably play, um, who again, same as Balls, only made one appearance this season, which was in the Villa game. Um, he's sort of a left wing back, left back by by nature, quite an attacking one. So 
I think we will be a bit weak down that side. Uh, so I think that'll be the back four and keeper. Um, as far as the midfield, everyone's fit. Um, but the only thing that worries me about the midfield is towards the end of the Villa game, everyone looked absolutely shattered. It's been sort of apart from one or two games where people have been suspended that midfield all season. And I do think at the moment, a couple of them are looking like they need a rest. Um, but sort of not taking that into account, I'd probably say it'd be Pearson, Johnson and Brown sort of as a free. Um, Brown is the more box to box. Pearson is the defensive minded and Johnson is sort of the, the attacking midfielder. Um, and then sort of on the wings, I'd probably say Maguire would be on the right. And Barkays, and as you mentioned, would be on the left. And sort of to touch on him, he's been absolutely fantastic since we brought him in um, just after Christmas last year. Um, he's been involved in, I can't remember the exact sort of percentage, but it's quite a high percentage of goals and assists sort of for us. He's definitely our sort of main source of goals and assists um, since he's come in. And, and signing him from Morecambe, not many people knew about him. And he's been one of these real gems that we've sort of keep on unearthing, uh, keep on unearthing really. Um, brought in, I think it was sort of twenty grand, if that. Um, so an absolute steal, sort of in this day and age. Lightning quick, great sort of acceleration as well to go with that. Um, can run and beat sort of one, two, three men with ease on his day. Um, and he's a good finisher, good in the air. So he seems to have it all really. And you know, he's still a young player, so of course he's going to make mistakes, but he really looks like sort of one, not for the future, but, you know, one who can really sort of, if we can keep hold of him, sort of grow and be a real focal point of our attack for many years to come. Um, and then up front, you know, I'd imagine it'd be Hugill, even though he, he was one of the ones particularly who looked sort of shattered towards the end of the Villa game and could probably do with a rest. But, you know, with us being sort of as short as we are at the moment, I do think he'll play. Um, the only player I can really see coming in for one of these sort of wingers or, or Hugill, it'd be probably Josh Harrop. Um, Neil's tended to start him sort of in a few away games this season depending on how we set up obviously with the back four being sort of patched together um, and quite makeshift I, I don't see him sort of disrupting the midfield and forwards he'd, he'd want that sort of bit of continuity and familiarity sort of in, in the forward line so I think it'll probably be the same midfield and forwards that started the Villa game with maybe sort of if someone is knackered or, or, or picked up a knock uh, in the Villa game, probably Harrop would be the one to come in, but he can really slot in anywhere over that sort of front four. So I think, um, yeah, that's that's the lineup I'd go for, but maybe Harrop in for one of those front four. Absolutely brilliant insight, um, James. And everyone listening to this is like biting their fingernails going, right, so he's just said that their best player plays on the left wing and the left back likes to get forward because... When we had our injury crisis, Spence came across from right back and played centre back. And then we got all our centre halves back. Spence went to right back and having played really well at centre back, really sucked against Norwich and Vilcher and Steeperman kind of destroyed him a bit. Um, And then Iorfa and Spence are kind of, we've just had trouble down the right past few games and it's just a little bit, I mean, you'll probably be quite pleased to hear it as a Preston fan, but it's a little bit worrying that your strength is there. And going back to Johnson as well, I, 
I'm just trying to recall. I think it was the, it would have been the season before he actually scored in in both games, yes. didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. And, and we've we've I think we've always liked him on the podcast as well. So um, it, it sounds like it's going to be two um, four two three ones, and um, yeah, I'm a bit worried about the bit worried about the left hand side. So um, <laughs> right, James, um, I'm going to talk about two ex Preston strikers. One is one of my favourite players in the world, and one is one of my least favourite players and people in the whole world. <laughs> do, you want, do you want to do Joe Garner or David Nugent? And guess which one, guess which one's which? I'm guessing Joe Garner is one of your favourite players in the world. Now he's playing for you. Oh, Joe, um, Joe Garner's amazing. Tell me, oh, tell me as a Preston fan what you think of Joe Garner. He is, and I say this to all my mates who aren't Preston fans, if you imagine, so sort of to take Man United as an example, he's, he's that Gary Neville kind of player. If he plays for your club, He's the best sort of player in the world. You absolutely love him. If you're playing against him, you think he's, you know, the worst person to exist. You absolutely hate him. Um, and I think he's definitely sort of in that mould. Um, he's, you know, for us, he was absolutely fantastic. He left for big money to go to Rangers. So there was no sort of arguments on our, our end. Um, didn't really work out for him at Rangers. But, you know, now he's come back to you, scored a few goals and he looks to be getting sort of back to where he was when he, when he was playing for us, um, massive fan favourite. Um, I can't really sort of remember a fan favourite sort of as big as Joe Garner um, since we had Nugent, obviously, the other oh, player that you've just touched on. And also, um, um, before you go on to Nugent, Joe Garner, genuinely, I've been, I'm 35, I've been watching football a long time, genuinely one of the best players in the air I've ever seen in my life. Definitely, yeah. For someone who's not particularly tall as well. Uh, fantastic leap on him and and the direction of all the headers and even if he doesn't win them he barges into the centre half and the centre half then can't get a good header on it he's superb aerial player yeah I remember for the life of me I can't think which team it was but it was a home game um, and he had no chance of winning the ball but he still went up for it anyway ended up I'd imagine he knocked himself out. He was down for about a minute and there was sort of physios on the pitch. Got his head bandaged up, sort of Terry Butcher style and came back on and finished the game and ended up scoring, I think, one or two goals in that game. Um, and it just shows he's, he's one of them players that will fight sort of to the death, fully committed. Um, and I've been chatting to a few of my mates. I can see him sort of sticking sort of one or two passes at the weekend if he plays. Um you know, it always seems to be the way when we play against ex-players. But, you know, absolutely fantastic for us. And uh, I'd like to think he'd get quite a warm reception from the Preston fans at the weekend. Yeah, it's just great. I've I, I, I joked with Dave on our podcast that um, I'll do my player of the year now. It's <laughs> Garner and that's it. Um, and just Nugent, oh my God. What a, just a... Just a turns into the bastard son of Ian Wright, Alan Shearer <laughs> every time he comes near us. It's funny, every every single transfer window sort of for as long as I can remember since he left us and went to Portsmouth for about 8 million, every transfer window it gets to sort of about the last week and we're sort of looking for a striker and without fail he's the name that gets brought up um, I'd love him to come back uh, he probably sort of in my time supporting Preston, him and Garner would be the sort of the two favourites I've got. Um, 
sort of Nugent was sort of just bursting onto the scene for us when I sort of discovered Preston and started supporting him and, and going to games. So obviously he holds a special place in my heart. Um, gutted to see him leave when he did. Because um, I think about a week before, I'd just got a Nugent shirt off my parents for my birthday at the time. So <laughs> that was uh, sort of money well spent on their behalf. But yeah, he... Um, sort of different player to Garner, but just always seems to score or scores against us whenever he plays us. And he's one of them players you look out for like Derby results now. And he, he always seems to be on the score sheet and he's, he's one of those players who it's never been the quickest, but he kind of like a Michael Owen just knows where the goal is and, you know, can top the ball away from anywhere. And he's, he's quite good in the air as well. So yeah, really like Nugent. I uh, can see why you don't. <laughs> Um, I I I, res- yeah. I respect I respect him. Um and we had a listener actually whose kid was in nursery in um Leicester and he actually went up and and talked to him and he said he was quite a good quite a good laugh. I think what I always say about the Nugent thing is it's not him that I detest s- as much as he signifies the complete stagnation of our football club that a kind of <laughs> above average championship player can just have destroyed us for 10 years because we've do you know what i mean we've just yeah yeah it's just fr- um i always give the example that shearer got 20 against leeds and ian rush got 30 against everton and messi has got 24 against madrid and uh, andy cole got nine against but look at this caliber of player i'm talking about and compare yeah, yeah. <laughs> compare them to david nugent but there we go. Right, I went to the Twitter um, for some questions. Are you ready to field some of these? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a bit of a wrestling theme here, so um, we'll go. Yeah, with... I, uh, I was going to ask you about that. I uh, sort of, I do follow it, sort of mainly like UK stuff. So I wasn't sure if uh, people had checked out my Twitter or. I think they, I think they must have. Yeah. Um, if talk jo- about on the show. <laughs> if Joe Garner was a wrestler, who would he be? Oh, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And someone's put a picture of Rowdy Rowdy Roddy Piper. I kind of like that because it's <laughs> kind of smaller guy, big mouth, achieved a lot. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Fair. I'd go um, with that. Daniel Hill. Oh, sorry. Who sent that question in? Uh, Daniel Rogers sent that in. Um, sorry, I'm drinking a Pepsi Max. All the listeners know I'm addicted to fucking Pepsi Max. I drink oh, way, way too much. Of it. My mate Ollie had absolutely loved that. I actually went to a, a show with him a few weeks ago and he was gutted that they only had uh, Coke rather than Pepsi. So oh, he's, he won't, uh, he's he won't do Pepsi the Coke Zero. As well. Daniel yeah. says, thoughts on Jinder Mahal vs Brock Lesnar? It's another wrestling question, so go quickly because we'll piss off some of the listeners. Uh, don't particularly care about that match. Um, would have preferred to see him both in singles matches. <laughs> um, Paul, Paul Sparrow, what's his favourite cheese? Uh don't particularly like cheese unless it's on a pizza. Um, you man after yeah. my own heart. I give that answer and get so many. And then if they put goat's cheese on the pizza, does it completely ruin it for you? Exactly, yeah. I'll oh, go around man. to my mate's My mate Jar used to go around to his house just to go off sort of on a tangent for a second. He, We'd go around and sort of be watching the football. We'd all have a beer and sort of crisps or whatever. And he'd sit there with a block of cheese and a knife and literally sort of slice, sort of slices off and go for about half a block while the football was on. So, yeah, just, he's completely the opposite to me. Just disgusting. Uh, Sam Willinghale, <laughs> when the seagulls follow the trawler, is it because they think the sardines will be thrown in the sea? I think you can give a yes or no answer to that. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with yes. And uh, <laughs> my mum, my mum has 
the biggest crush on Eric Cantona. Oh, they're Man United um, fans. Oh, okay. So this, yeah. well done, Sam. You knew that. Um, <laughs> Craig F. Now, please don't answer this question because we got in hot water. Um, <laughs> Craig innocently asked the Burton fan um, last week why faggots because they served them at the ground, and he slightly <laughs> misunderstood the question and um, was slightly <laughs> homophobic on my right. on my podcast. So. Um, uh, why faggots? Well, because. There we go. They're, because, yeah. They're a lovely food. Um, Mrs. Nuts, uh, how does he feel about a Preston player, Anders Lindegaard, being involved in reality TV? Now, Mrs. Nuts is in TV. She's our uh, well, she's our one attractive female listener and knows all about TV. Actually, no, I might have. I'm sure we've got more than one attractive female <laughs> listener. Sorry if you're a female <laughs> listener and attractive. But we have ni- 99.2% male um male listeners um personally i would feel slightly younger what what, what tv shows anders lindergaard on his wife uh so when he was with us his wife was on uh and i've never watched it so uh i can't tell you anything about it she was on the real housewives of cheshire um so i think he that made is a few cameo appearances yeah that, that is well, sadly yeah been from cheshire actually uh, i played that, i played a gig in altrincham and it was okay, really yeah. really really posh um and i got told oh this is where all the Man United, Man City players all all kind of live. Is that true? Yeah, that is. Yeah, so I I work about five minutes from there, but I uh, I live sort of the less posh side of of Manchester. But yeah, that's uh, that's a fair sort of assessment. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Justin, no wins in five defensive injuries. Are they worried? Yes. <laughs> as, as a simple answer, yes, until we get sort of defenders back. I think Neil has said that uh, he's had some of the youth team training with us over the sort of the week as well. So quite worrying times. But yeah, get through this game and we've got an international break to hopefully get a few players back fit. Uh, Nathan, where does he realistically expect Preston to finish at the end of the season? And I'll throw in one here as well, above or below Ipswich as well. So where do you finish and do you think they'll finish above or below Ipswich? I'd like we've finished eleventh the two seasons we've we've come back up. So I'd like us to finish above that. Um I don't think we sort of uh there yet to be sort of getting into the playoffs, but I think we'll give it a better push this season than we have over previous. Um so I think we'll finish probably about sort of eighth or ninth. Um finishing above Ipswich. Uh, That's quite think, likely if you finish eighth or ninth. Yeah, I've I do think we're, I think we're about sort of similar. Um, but if I was to say, I'd say we'd finish maybe like a place or two ahead of you, uh, sort G- of at the moment. Jay says, if Benjamin Bloom and James Fickers had a wrestling match, <laughs> where would it take place, and what stipulation would each of you insert? Um, so it would obviously take place at Madison Square Garden and yep. <laughs> it would be a David Nugent on a pole. No, David Nugent on a forklift match. And whoever wins, um, I don't know, no, a shark, a Jim Cornette shark tank match, but with an actual shark. So uh, basically, if you if you win, Nugent survives. And if I win, he dies. And I'm I'm the <laughs> villain and you're the good guy. Yeah. What happens if it's a tag match? I get Joe Garner as my partner. Who would you have as yours? Well, Joe Garner would um, turn on you during the match um, <laughs> as part of the storyline and defect to me, obviously. Um, who would I have? Oh, God. Um, oh, you mentioned him earlier. I'd have Terry Butcher. Okay. Um, that'd be quite a good match to see that. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, MJ, ask him if he'd like to do a podcast with that Burton fan on the last preview. <laughs> 
Uh, I would, but I'd have to explain to him, obviously, sort of <laughs> gay the rights. difference between, between the food and, yeah. Yeah, okay, moving on. Adam, um, has he ever got to the stage some Ipswich fans seem to have that they actually want to lose games to try and get rid of the manager? When we had Graham Wesley. Um, don't know if you know about him. Oh, he's Probably. the David Brent guy who texts everybody, yes. isn't he? The football ramble always talk about him. Yeah, he he is the guy who uh, makes his children refer to him as medal winner. Uh, so that says it all sort of about him, really. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Reese says, thoughts on Ipswich's last few seasons? Um. Crap. Good team that uh, <laughs> good 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 team that deserved to be sort of higher than they finished, uh, and I do think eventually you will come good. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. bit, bit of fun then. We might have already done it then. Um, favorite player you've seen in a Preston shirt? Toss up between Garner and Nugent, I'd say. Um, Can I just say from... I didn't I didn't inform you about the script did i i just came up with garner yes. and nugent. that's that's yeah. not by design honestly yeah probably yeah garner and nugent definitely um i'd say probably nugent because he's sort of the the player i sort of grew up as i was sort of younger um that i sort of associate with preston when i first started supporting them uh but garner is definitely a close second you're gonna get you're gonna get tweets saying great podcast but not having the nugent thing yeah, I think I think you might have just ruined the last forty nine minutes with that comment. <laughs> um, right, give us one more plug for your stuff, and where can people say thank you to you on Twitter, James? So yeah, my Twitter is at underscore James Vickers. Um, in the bio on there, there's the link to the Championship Roundtable podcast Twitter account, um, which is done for EPL Index on Twitter. That comes out every sort of Monday or Tuesday when we when we get around to recording it sort of uh, some Sundays, obviously each of our teams has games. So we normally would wait till the Monday to record it in that instance. So start of the week, normally um, sort of Tuesday morning is the latest you'd have to wait for that. So definitely check that out. Um, also write for Deepdale Digest, which is a Preston North End fan blog where the sort of match reviews, gossip, player reviews, sort of anything Preston really. So definitely check that out if you are sort of interested in Preston or, or are a Preston fan. Great stuff. Um, right, I just have to do one bit of housekeeping while you're on, James. Um, we do a little hookup with Ipswich Town Bible at ITFC underscore Bible. If you haven't followed them, if not, why not? You should have. But it's points preview prediction time. So um, they put their poll up this week for the points predictions for this month. The games are Preston at home, Holloway, Sheffield Wednesday at home. I think that's on the telly. Um, Villa away, Derby away, and Nugent, obviously. Um, so some difficult ones in there. One, two, three, four, five games. Um we had loads of people participate, which is fantastic. And drumroll, please. The predictions for those five games, the average number is 4.5416. So very, very, very low this month. It looks like people are expecting Ipswich to lose at Derby, lose at Villa. I guess the four points are going to come from the Preston Hull and Sheffield Wednesday games, so not a lot of confidence there. Um, I will give my thoughts in a YouTube video. We'll probably do that on Saturday morning before the Preston game. 
Um, but thanks again to Ipswich Town Bible. Follow them at ITFC underscore Bible. Get involved in that. Um, thank you for listening, everybody. Obviously, if you got this far, you probably already have subscribed. If you've done that, give us a five-star review and a thumbs up. Comment on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever the hell it's called now. Um, use the Acast app because that's where we get hosted from and the um, advertisement stuff is a little bit better. Um, there are three shows on this podcast. This is the preview show. We'll be back with the flagship show on Monday and Dave and Statman will be here on Wednesday this week in ITFC history. You can follow us on facebook.com slash itfc. I will be doing my YouTube review videos. Just type Benjamin Bloom in there and subscribe there and say nice stuff. Um, I'm on Twitter at Benjamin Bloom. James has already done his plug. Um, and more importantly, the podcast is on Twitter at Blue Monday ITFC. And if you go into the bio, you can buy a T-shirt to support the podcast. Um, now, James, you can have the last word. And are you on the town in Ipswich tomorrow night? I am, yes. Um, so if you I go to Isaac's tomorrow night or Vodka Revolution or whatever the fuck it's called now, you're going to see yeah. James and he's going to be drunk. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll uh, be doing uh, signings uh, for £5 <laughs> and photos for £10. <laughs> if you see a yeah, guy think, wearing a I Nugent think... Preston shirt from 2006 <laughs> yeah. or whatever. I think I think we get there at about sort of half 10, 11. Uh, so the plan is to be out for sort of half 11, midnight. Um, no idea where we're going to go. Uh, but yeah, probably in the centre of town. We uh, we stayed there a couple of years ago uh, and it was a good night out. Um sort of the the night we did so probably back to the the same place i think they're on sort of a road together aren't they opposite each other uh if if my memory is correct um or the Pass. two clubs that we went to anyway yeah i've, I've been <laughs> i've been too old to go out in Ipswich for god knows how long so um and can i get a prediction for the game tomorrow uh i will go i think we'll definitely concede but i think we'll score as well so i'll go one all lovely Play it stuff. safe and sit on the fence Great stuff. Okay, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a great chat, James. Um, safe travels down tomorrow and more pressingly, um, safe night out <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in, in my, my beautiful hometown. And good luck on Saturday. I'll probably tweet you during the game. And um, yeah, everybody check out the podcast and um, James's review on the Championship Podcast on Monday. Thanks again, buddy. Cheers for having me. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. Hold up. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.